Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, October 2nd, 2022. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Big show coming up for you tonight. Mr. Chris Botta will be joining us as my guest co-host. And, of course, Mr. Craig Button from TSN also hanging out with us tonight. Because of the late start, we're actually going to go straight to break. We're going to call Craig in. Going to bring him up on the show, and then we're going to get rolling. So thanks a lot for joining us here tonight. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Iceland. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. new Islander season and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. RJ Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. RJ Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill. Your home for New York Islanders hockey. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching Hockey Night in New York, twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. Join us right now from TSN, the great Craig Button. Craig, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you, sir? I am good, Chris. How are you doing today? We're doing really, really good. Thank you so much for doing this, Craig. Um, first question, as a former GM, Lou Amarello had an interesting offseason because before it started, Craig, he declared that he, need, he he understood he needed to make hockey trades to make the team better, and those trades didn't materialize. 
He struck out in UFA, and that's okay. That happens, right? Teams strike out, especially on the big fish. Uh, but from your perspective, you know, what's your take on the Islanders' offseason? Uh, because you know you could always try to make deals, but it takes two to tango, right? Well, it sure does, Chris, and you know that as well as anybody. And I think that, you know, you look at the New York Islanders' roster, and, and it, it looks very similar, if not almost exactly similar, to the one that finished the season. And, you know, I, I know Lou doesn't like to uh, uh, sit uh, still and, and not make changes, changes that can create internal competition within his group, or bringing in players uh, from outside, whether it be from a trade or through free agency. But, you know, I, I think right now you, you're looking at a situation with the Islanders, new coach, uh, outstanding goaltending. I mean, there's no question. I mean, Ilya Sorokin, I mean, he, he, he is a top-notch goaltender in national hockey uh, you know, the health of the defense, can they stay healthy? There's not a lot of depth there. And so now you're crossing your fingers that you can stay healthy on the blue line. And that was something that uh, played the uh, Islanders a little bit last year. Up front, a team that was challenged to score is basically the same team coming back. So, you know, I think that, and, and they're older. And, you know, I, I, I think that you, you lose uh, as the years go on and you become a little bit older. Yeah, you can be hard to play against. You can be good defensively. But if you can't score in this league, you're going to have a very, very difficult time having success. And more than that, the stress of not scoring creates stress throughout your, your lineup and with your players because you know that there's no margin for error. So, you know, while Lou didn't have an opportunity to make changes in the offseason, I, I don't think that means that he won't look to make changes uh, here in the, in, the, in the early part of the season. And if the team gets off to a, a, a slower start, I don't expect Lou to be uh, waiting very long to do something to try to improve the team. Craig, the one move that he did make was trading the first-round pick for Romanoff. As somebody who watched Romanoff play in Montreal, what's your opinion of it? Well, I think what, what Alexander does is, is he gives them a, a really good top-four defenseman. Uh, he plays with incredible uh, enthusiasm and with a lot of energy. And I think he, he, he's really learned in, in, in a few years in the National Hockey League now how, how to manage that enthusiasm. I, I, I think that he, he gets so uh, revved up to play and sometimes that carries out on the ice. And you love that energy and you love that uh, that, that, that spirit. But at the same time, you, you got to manage it. And, and I think that he's at an age now where, he, where he's understanding that it's not just about energy, it's about managing it. And I, I think when you look at the year that Noah Dobson had last year, I mean, he really emerged as a, as a real top-notch defenseman, and I don't think that's going to uh, stop in any way, shape, or form. You know, Pulak and, and Pellets are, are really good defensemen, so I think you, you add Romanov to a blue line, you know, let's not forget about Scott Mayfield, a really good goaltending tandem, and, you know, a team that knows how to play defensively and not give up a lot, you know, I think Romanov really helps the team, uh, you know, be stronger in that defensive area. But at the same time, and I keep going back to the, to, to the goal scoring in the offense, you, you need offense, you need goals. And, you know, you can't just keep grinding away and grinding away. You, you, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the NHL is not about just sitting on your porch and whittling you know, a piece of wood into a harmonica so you can make music. You know, the NHL is quick and it's fast, and you know you need to be able to have that uh, that ability to score. And 
know, there's not a lot of it with the Islanders. Uh, I don't see a lot of it. No, I can understand that. After getting to the final four, to the game, to game seven, the semis against Tampa, we all know what happened last season. Uh, they are legitimate excuses. There's lineup problems. There's COVID. There's the 13-game road trip. Like, the season never got on track. So they make the coaching move, which I'll never understand and I'll never accept. And, I, I mean, I understand. I need to move on. But it was mindless to me. That said, as the season's about to start, preseason results notwithstanding, because I don't care too much about those either, Greg. I, I care about individual performances. Can the case be made? And by the way, I mean, you're a sunshiny, positive guy. I'm not trying to force you into that position. I guess for the listeners, you know, can the case be made that that I know I've tried to make on the show a little bit, that they could get it back on track, not be a cup contender, but be a playoff contender and have a strong season with everybody back. There is that narrative of this is your chance, guys. You're all back. You're getting another run at it. Yeah, yeah I get that, though. But like, think back to, to Game 7 uh, of the Western Conference Final. Eastern. What happened to the Islanders? Eastern, excuse me. You're showing yeah, your Calgary. You. <laughs> yeah, but, well, no, no, no. I'm like, you know, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I just, I slipped there. But no. thanks for correcting me. They, lo- they lost one nothing. They couldn't score. They couldn't score. So again, like, like, I, I think this is a, a team capable of playing sound hockey. But can they make the playoffs? A lot of things got to go right to make the playoffs in the in the East. It was a hundred points last year to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And so now you look at the, and the Islanders, you know, after, after they got their footing halfway through the season, I would say, I think they, they played pretty well and they showed what they were capable of. But there's no guarantee, Chris, that, you know, and everybody's going to score at, at, at the rate that you expect them to or they expect them to. There's no guarantee that you're, you're, you're not going to have some injuries that are going to plague you. Every team goes through some, some, moments of, of, of adversity, some series of adversity. But but if you don't have the the ability to, to grind through it and to find your way through it with, with depth and not, and, and, and it's great. It's great to talk about can Simon Holmstrom come in and give him some goal scoring. That's what they drafted him for. They drafted him to, to provide goal scoring. You know, it's a question mark. And so do, do I think they can be competitive? Absolutely. Do I see them as a playoff team? I think they're right on the margins there. But it will fall back to their goaltending, which is, which again, I don't know, and I've said it a few times, it's excellent. And, you know, a, a large measure of a lot of things going the right way for the New York Islanders. Because if things don't go the right way, they don't have the, I don't think they have the ability to turn it in their favor. And I think the first half of last year showed that. Uh, great points. Two prospects. The Islanders are, are also thin in the prospect pool, so much so that a lot of focus in these parts are on R2 or R2 and, and William DeFore. I was wondering, uh, maybe take one of those at a time and give me your impressions of them, you know, short-term future, but also long-term, right? Like we understand they'll probably both be in Bridgeport. There's a chance Ratu may be being here, but what are your thoughts on those two players? Well, Atu Ratu is uh, a really good player. I mean, he, He's that type of centerman that just drives play in so many different areas of the game, Chris. He, he, he's just a well-rounded, what I would call a complete player. He, he can provide the offense. He can provide the defense. He, he imposes himself on the game. And, you know, it was really interesting, you know, you know, having watched him for as long as I've watched him, 
you know, and, and you see this at different times for players heading into the draft year. And I still have no idea what happened to Atu in, in his draft year, but he just never got on track up in Car Park Olu. And, you know, obviously he ends up being a, a second round draft pick, but, but I think the Islanders got a terrific player there. And, you know, I think once he got out of Carpot last year and ended up down in, uh, in Eucharist, I mean, he, he, he had a fantastic season, uh, down playing, uh, uh, you know, away from Carbot. And then at, at this iteration of the World Junior Tournament, I mean, he was just phenomenal. I mean, he was, I mean, the, the argument could have been made that he, he, he could have been in the MVP conversation. He was in the MVP conversation if Finland had won the tournament. I mean, that's how good he was. I mean, he was a dominant player in his age group. And I think those types of signals always bode well for a player's, uh, you know, progression. And I'm not so sure, Chris, that he's not going to be capable of playing uh, with the Islanders this year. Uh, am I saying that it will happen right off the bat? No. Get used to, uh, you know, just the, the, the demands of, of, of the schedule. I think getting through that early part and seeing where he's at. But I think he's a player that they can look to at some point during the season as somebody that can come in and help them. I want to. I want to follow uh, up. Yeah, I want to follow up on that sure, with Rato, if you know. Right. I, so you know, he he did play against men, right? This is somebody who's a little beyond yeah. his years, so you'd have less of yep. that fear as a GM. And I always wonder about this. I know it's up to the player ultimately to overcome the experience. And I'm also not going to say that the AHL experience or being in Bridgeport, Connecticut is coal mining or so bad or anything like that, right? But can the case be made to give, to give this superbly talented forward a shot from the start, especially when the team is so thin and needs creativity? Yes, I, I, I think I'd, like, I'd make the case. I, I, in fact, uh, you know, uh, I would push for it based on what you I talked about lack of offense. You talked about creativity. We know that he's a more mature player physically. He has played in, in the Finnish elite league for, for two years. And you're right. Like, you know, giving him that opportunity right from the outset, you know, and, and then see where he's at. Like, you know, a lot of times, and, and we do this in, in, in the NHL, you know, we, we, we take players and we go, oh, let's put him in the minors. Well, you know, maybe he's ready to show that he can play and contribute in the NHL and, and, and maybe just give him that little, that opportunity, whether it be two weeks, whether it be 10 games, whatever it may be. And, and let's see what he can do. Because I think that what he's shown in his age group, dominant player, two years playing and, and going through what he went through in, in, in his uh, draft year, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that can really help you develop and understand what the challenges are. And, you, you know, last year, and I happened to well, dial into a couple of, uh, of the Islanders uh, preseason games, and, and I thought Atu played really well last year. I knew he was going back to Finland, but I thought he played really well in those preseason games last year. So uh, I think the case can be made, and I, I would certainly jump on that bandwagon with Absolutely, Craig. Sean here talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, just wanted to f- wanted to follow up with another member of the the limited Islanders pipeline and pivot over to Willem Dufour. He obviously had a real breakout year uh, with the Memorial Cup MVP. Just fantastic stuff, and really kind of um, caught the eyes and attention of, of Islander fans and Islander country. Maybe you can speak on him a little bit and and what Islander fans might be able to hope and expect coming out of him uh, in his future. Well, here's what I would say. Like, I think if, if you're hoping for him to be a, a good, solid NHL player, I, I think that's absolutely realistic. And I, I think the expectations, and I think, you know, young players, and 
again, William I've watched for a lot of years. He, he was a big player and, and, and had a big physical uh, stature to him. And, and when you're coming out of U15 hockey and you're coming into junior hockey, the things you, you, you're able to do kind of overpower people. I, I think for William, it, it was something that, you know, he had to learn. He had to learn that size wasn't just something he had. He had to learn how to use that size to gain advantages, to hold advantages. He's not going to be somebody that's going to run over your opponent. He's not a, a, a power forward in, in, in the traditional sense of ruggedness and everything. But he's a hard player to handle one-on-one because of that size. And, and I think he, he really understood, hey, this is something that I, that, that I can really use to, to gain and hold advantages. Number two, he's a really smart player. I mean, he's a penalty killer. He can play on the power play. He can make plays as well as finish plays. And I think that, that that's another part of his game that, that has really rounded out. Like, he, he, he understood that, like, hey, wait a second, there's more areas of the game that I can make an impact in. There's more areas of the game that I can contribute in. And I, I think as he went through the year with St. John and certainly into the Memorial Cup, and, and he was a good player at, at the World Junior for Team Canada, who, who beat Finland uh, to Ratu's uh, team in the uh, gold medal final. He, he was a good player, and he was used in those areas, the penalty killing and whatnot. And, you know, again, you know, I'm going to I'm going to jump over with Chris. Maybe to just keep his confidence has got to be really high right now. And maybe he's that player that you put right in the lineup to start with and see, hey, what can he do? Maybe he's the player that given a little bit of opportunity can give uh, a little bit of an offensive jolt to the to the Islanders right from the outset. And he might be the guy that you say, hey, let's let's see what he's got here early on in the season. But I don't think there's any question he's going to be a really solid NHL player for a lot of years. Very, very interesting. You have our attention, Mr. <laughs> Button. Our uh, My last line of questioning for you, buddy. Uh, you were so great last year on my media show uh, talking about Lou Lamorello. You told the story about him coming into a Dallas meeting and talking about his rules and stuff. And I know you know him, and, and you've done the job too. And you also were a player personnel director and a cup winner. I wanted to ask you about the future of the Islanders in that chair. Um, there's a lot of people who just assume that Lou is in the final year of his contract because Barry Trotz was on a five-year deal, and this would be the fifth for Lou. I don't believe that because I don't think the Islanders would ever say, and my guess is any if anything was done with Lou, we wouldn't know about it in terms of an extension. And <laughs> And... I, I, I would not, I'm not here to ask you, like, if you know, because actually I don't think anybody does, but I, I was wondering no. your, your thoughts on Lou's future and also, like, is it, it, it you know, we, we often assume that, it, that Chris Lamorello, who I've heard wonderful things about, that he's his own man, that he would have his own rules, that it would not be exactly as his father did it, that he would be the next in line. So I wanted to get your take on Lou. I I can see him doing this for at least a few more years. And if there's just going to be a succession to Chris Lamorello. Well, let's start with Lou, because, I mean, he's the headliner here, right? I mean, Lou is is ultra-competitive, Chris, you know that. I mean, he, he, like, last year not making the playoffs, like, that would not sit well with Lou Lamarillo at any point in time. And, you know, and you talked about it earlier, you know, the desire to make some changes to the lineup, either through uh, trades or through free agency. And, you know, the one thing about Lou, not one thing, there's many wonderful things about Lou, but Lou, Lou is like a dog on a bone. He, he's not going to give up. 
And so there, there could be any number of things that he's working on right now that he's just trying to stay on and stay on and stay on. And, you know, he, he, he has one thing in mind. He, he, he really is about excellence. And he understands where a team is at and if they're a Stanley Cup contender. But not making the playoffs, you know, the excitement of the new building and for the Islanders, you know, that's still there, but it will wear off quick at the team. And I think the team has the opportunity with some really good players in place to be able to take a step forward. And I think Lou would see it the same way. So I don't expect Lou to be sitting sitting back and, and just waiting for something to come his way. That's not Lou's style. Lou, Lou, Lou initiates and Lou... Like I said, he, he, he wants to be somebody that can make a difference for his team because uh, not making the playoffs and not being competitive is, is not something that makes him happy. And you're right. I mean, bottom line is Lou keeps everything close to the vest. And at, at the end of the day, you know, when there's something to be uh, announced, we'll hear it from Lou. And, and, and that's just the way it's always worked. And it's not going to change now. As for Chris, I'm a big Chris Lamarillo fan. I think Chris is a very... Uh, underrated uh, GM candidate in the league. I don't think he gets uh, a lot of the notoriety because Chris doesn't look for notoriety. He just goes and does the work. Uh, I, I know talking to a lot of people in the American Hockey League, and people in the officiating department at the National League level, and, and a lot of different areas of the game where, where Chris has earned the respect of, of so many, and it's a well-deserved respect. And, and as you said, he's his own person. And I think that when you can learn under the uh, watchful eye, of not only your father, but somebody that's got, had the success of Lou Lamborello, I think that that can uh, bode very well for your future. You, you know, it'd be straightforward with you. You know, Chris McFarland, who went to the went to the Colorado Avalanche as assistant GM, and now was named the the GM. Uh, I think Chris Lamborello has a lot of those same qualities, and I think that uh, you know, and when, when there's GM openings, I know when people ask me who should be considered. Chris Lamborello is always on my list of people that I think should be considered for any uh, GM opening in the league. And certainly you would think that uh, if Lou is looking to step away, I don't feel any differently about Chris being a, a, a really strong candidate to assume that role with the Islanders uh, if it should come that way. I think uh, all people named Chris should be <laughs> candidates for Wow, <laughs> McFarlane, Lamorello. Bada. I, le- I, le- I learned under Mike Milbury. I learned under, I mean, come on, Craig, come on. Well, Craig, last one from me, just to keep it on the young guys here in the Islanders organization. They, they've had a couple of first-round picks here now that maybe are currently struggling to, to maybe fulfill their, their highest potential. Look at names like Anthony Bavillier, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, and even some guys from the past like Michael Del Cole who didn't really pan out. Um, just, just looking at your history as a general manager, how, how do, you, how does yourself and a coaching staff kind of approach that sort of situation where you have a couple of guys who are maybe highly touted, maybe have high expectations, and and you have to come up with ways or methods to to get them going, and 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 you know maybe it takes some guys a little longer before they really break out. How, how would you approach that? Yeah, well, I think there is a, there's a requisite uh, patience that comes with development with young people. I think in every walk of life, you, you, you know, we want, we want young people to achieve sooner than maybe they're capable of, but it doesn't mean they won't. So I think that that's the first thing, and that's a general philosophy. But then the second thing is, is players have to show that they're taking steps. They have to show that they're taking steps in, in a positive manner on the ice, off the ice, that, 
they're, they're looking, they're, they're, they're demonstrating that, that they're understanding what it means to come in and contribute to a team. And I think when you start to, uh, you know, you mentioned the names that you mentioned, I think internally what ends up happening is you start to ask yourself, okay, have we given them the proper development? Are we being, the, or, or, or can they take that development? Are, are they capable of taking that development? You think somebody like Noah Dobson. Noah Dobson was in and out of the lineup in, in his rookie year. Right. And, you know, Noah, Noah was somebody that just, you know, continued to learn, continued to grow. And then we saw what, what happened last year, and that's just going to go up. Now, that does we've seen some, some really strong play from Anthony Beauvillier. I think what you're looking for, for looking from, uh, looking for from Anthony is that consistency, that ability to be a difference maker. I mean, Kiefer's going to have to be a goal scorer in the National Hockey League. So, are you getting yourself in those positions to score? Are you fighting off the checks? Those are the types of things. And then the third thing would be to go back and you're evaluating, okay, we were really patient with Michael Dalcall. What did we miss? Right. Or did we miss anything? And, 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 and what did we not, what did, what, what did we not help him with? What did he not be able to offer? And I think you're always going through that evaluation with your players. But when you start to, when you start to look at the depth of an organization and you start to say, listen, we need some players to be able to step up and contribute, you know, and, and, and you're looking, you're going, geez, it's a pretty thin list right now. You know, that's cause for concern. And that's when you got to go back and evaluate, you know, the scouting process, the development process. And it's not that they're not good picks, but th there's a lot that goes in from a player being selected to a player being able to produce at the National League level. Craig, great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of your night. I will have a great rest of my night. And, uh, Sean, thank you for having me. And, Chris, always a pleasure to join you. Thank you, Craig. I really, really appreciate it. You're the best. Really? Take care, yeah. Craig. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the great Craig Button of TSN. Settling in now here at Hockey Night New York. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I kind of feel like my work is done here. We had a, yeah, a guest who, uh, who really delivered. He was, you know, he was, he was kind of dark in the beginning about the current state of the team. The current, right, yeah. you know, this idea of bringing him back, which I appreciate. And by the way, he said they'll be in the playoff mix, you know, we were not, and which is really no different than what we've said. Sure. But he's such a sunshiny guy. As I said, I, I thought... Um, he'd come on here and, and uh, be more be more optimistic. That said, though, then when he started talking about Ratu in, in particular, uh, it was really great to hear those things. Yes. And now, you know, it's funny, one conversation, right, with, with somebody who's done the job now gets you a little more excited about the idea of, you know what, maybe this guy should be here for at least parts of the season, and if not earlier. So, you know, my opinion on that's changed a little bit since <laughs> last weekend. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. Look, if anything, it's positive to hear, right? Whether really whether great. it comes up, you could tell later, he was a big fan, right? Right. So maybe he's a little further along than you thought, and and maybe coming from Islander country, you're you're a little hesitant to to make those sort of predictions, or you know, have that sort of hope that somebody like that's going to step in sooner than you think. And that's why I always like to hear from people who aren't the Islanders broadcasters, right? And, and, and you sure. know, we get it with any of these an analysts, right? He won a Stanley Cup in Dallas. He was a GM. We could look at moves he made. We could look at draft picks he made and Craig Buttonies, and we know there are errors there. Nobody's here to say that they – but nobody doesn't make big mistakes in that job. Sure. But to get that, he, he's, he has no reason to want to – 
brag about Ratu, how good he is, right? So right. when he says it, and this is a guy who watches the games and watch. I mean, he was he was talking minutia at one point. I mean, he, <laughs> he this is a guy who who watches. So to hear him say that was uh, it really uh, it meant a lot. It was great to hear. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention our wonderful sponsors, even though we're talking a little out of place here tonight. But uh, hey. Proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, their brand new location at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Also proud to be sponsored by RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to catch the game when you can't be at the game. And proud to be sponsored by brand new sponsor, Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A, 2nd Street in Mineola. Check out the tap room. Check out the beers. Great stuff going on out there. They got their brand new beers in the uh, in the UBS arena as well. Taps around the arena, the Stable Shaker, the Top Gun IPA, all great stuff with that. So, Chris, let's keep the show rolling here. Let's. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. No, we got more to talk about, if you don't mind. Yeah. Unless, unless I, I thought I thought you usually go to breaks by now. All right, cool. I'm up for it. I mean, yeah. we're, we're all over the place. We we started the show with a break. I'm sure our audience was, was loving that. We started we with a 12-minute break. break at the start <laughs> yeah. of the show. Yeah, and then and then we went right into the guest segment. So uh, great stuff from Craig. And he had some nice things to say about Willem Dufour as well. So even though the, the prospect pool is a little limited right now, at least the guys that are in there are turning heads. And you're always, when you're going into a season, you want that hope too. I, I, I'm pretty convinced they're going to be in the race. They're going to have their great moments. They're going to have their down moments. They're not going to go on some incredible role where they build up so many points that you know they're in it. Uh, they're going to have to fight for everything. Right. But they're going to keep our interest. But also what makes teams excited. I mean, all we heard you know, through the whole Trots thing was the play of the kids thing. Well, these are two more who will be at the professional level and somewhere. So I'm really excited about Route 2. And then the other piece of this for me is what is Oliver Wallstrom going to be? Because there comes a point, and, and by the way, this is not a Michael Del Call situation. I would, no. it, 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 that was uh, actually, I, you know, one thing I disagree with Craig, he's being nice. That, that was a, that was a wrong pick. It was just, you know, it was, it was not a good pick. Um, I think they saw the that early. Thing about Dalcolis, yeah, he was yeah, the consensus number five. He was taken he was. where he was supposed he was. to go. He just where, didn't pan out. Yeah, if, yes. I mean, I always say it's up to the actual hockey guys, though, to get the pick right. Not the hockey news, not Bob McKenzie, not I'll Craig Button, you know. So um, that said, Wallstrom. To me, is a big, big topic. Kenny, I remember being asked last year, maybe on on this show too, like about Dobson and Wallstrom. That was one thing I guessed right. I got a lot of other things wrong about last year, but I thought Dobson would get there. He did. He exceeded my expectations. I didn't think there was no reason for me to think that Wallstrom was necessarily ready to do that. Mm-hmm. But now, where are we? Because we're looking at. Rosal on a line with Parisi, and I don't know who, you know, we don't know who. We've got a a week to go to the season, 10 days to go to the season, but those things got to be worked out. So my question to you. Sure, yeah. Sean Cuthbert. That's me. Is Wallstrom goal total this year? You know what? It's funny. I actually wrote some numbers down, and this is what I think is a successful season for Oliver, and I was going to pitch this to you, but I'm going 25, 15, 40. 40 points, 25 goals. And I think that's the least of what you want to see out of him this year because the spotlight is so much heavier on him because they didn't bring anybody else in. And we saw the lack of scoring from last season. He's a guy who really has to pick it up. He's going to be a very important piece to this team this year. 
I'm going to put aside your assist prediction for now, okay? Because that sounds pathetic to me, right? It sounds like if I can pathetic. skate, if I if I could skate like Oliver Wallstrom, if I went out there without a stick, I'd get 15 assists. That's my point on that. So, so I'm right. But that said, I get like 15 in 82 freaking hockey games, or 70 if he you know, misses a few. So, like, let's put no. I'm and I'm, I'm actually not even kidding. Like, I, I'm not making fun of you or anything like that, but. Let's put it at this. If Oliver Wallstrom gets 25 goals, and he's very capable, I think that's a reasonable amount, the Islanders will make the playoffs. It's one of the things that need to happen. Yeah. Including, yeah. you know, because they have the goaltending, but health and all that. Also, and I know I'm all over the place here, but I've been one of the leading proponents of it being a joke that Varlamov has never been traded with that big salary cap number. You know, I don't want to give Lou too much credit, but if it's possible that he realized as the summer went on or the offseason went on that he wasn't going to be able to do anything, well, then it does make sense that he's like, well, you know what, gosh darn it, I better have two great goalies if nothing else. Yeah. And they do have, I think they have two great goalies. I think the world of Varlamov, I, I was hearing from people whining about a couple goals he let in in the first exhibition game. Just, just stop with the exhibition game stuff, folks. You know where let we are. We're on Long Island, yeah, Island country. But let it go. I, you know, I know it's the only game in front of us right now, and there's one going on now, right. but let's just put those things aside for now. Uh, anyway, two good goalies. Uh, I like your prediction on Wallstrom. I would go so far as to say, you know, 25, 23, 48. Something like that is, is reasonable. Well, just, just from seeing him so far, he's he's more of a goal-scoring guy than, guy than an assist man. In fact, I remember joking last season, I think he started with like nine or ten goals and zero assists. And I made some joke about him going the whole season without having any and no, scoring 50 goals. So. But you, you feel like that shot should also create chances for other people, too, on reason. Sure. So, um, no, a bigger, stronger, faster, according to Coach Lambert. And um, I'm excited to see him. I just You feel like he's a guy where it's never always going to be easy because of his skill set. He's somebody we're always looking at. He's somebody the broadcasters always focus on. He's somebody the whole team is always focused on. It's a lot to be on him. That's why it's easier for, in some ways for Dobson to emerge kind of out of nowhere. Um, the Wallstrom thing continues to be a fascinating topic. And to piggyback on Oliver Wallstrom, there's another guy that the Islanders might be hoping picks up some slack if he can't himself. Who is that? That's Kiefer Bellows. This is a mm, guy. Yeah, that's where I disagree with you. Who, okay, well, that's that's why we're here. We're going we're gonna to talk and we're going to disagree. But Kiefer Bellows, he only got into 45 games last season. He put up, if I remember correctly, about 19 points. And he's a guy who signed a, a one-year RFA contract. Looks like this could be his last hurrah if he doesn't put it together here. Do you think that he's somebody that can still make some noise and kind of, I suppose, extend his life as a New York Islander? I feel like we're at the point where we're really close to knowing what Kiefer Bellows is, which is an, possibly an NHL player and possibly somebody who's going to have a 10-year career and play 600, 800 games or something like that. But I just don't – I think at some point – He's going to need to continue to work on the things to prove that he's a third line player. I don't. I don't know if he's ready to. I just don't know if he's he, he, again above Del Cal. I keep I hate making him the bar right now, but I, I'm not a big believer in Kiefer Bellows. I believe he's giving everything he has. I believe he's a, a good player, but I just he's not somebody who I'm looking for to step up and have a real, real surprise year. I would love to see it, of course. Now, one more young guy I'm going to ask you about, and that's Robin Sallow. 
see somebody who's going to stick and take that last pairing spot next to Scott Mayfield? Do you see him getting close to 82 games this season? Well, I think he's going to stick in terms of starting the season, and, and I think they're going to give him a full run. I don't know if they're going to overburden him with being you know, quarterback one on a power play, but it, it all signs. What you, you could look at training camp, see who they're playing with, see where they're being spotted in games like Robin is uh, even right now, you know, out there playing. And it, it looks like they're giving him every opportunity to make it. Is he running with it? No, probably not. But it looks like he's going to be here. I can't sit here and say he's going to be their 82-game uh, defender, but it looks like Lamorello and Lambert are convinced enough to give him that run to show. And it's his, listen, if it doesn't go well after 30 or 40 games, they'll send him back to Bridgeport for a seasoning, but, but he's going to be there at the start, I believe. Okay. We'll, we'll see how that goes. So I guess we can touch briefly on just how they perform the preseason. I mean, you already kind of said, let's not give a crap about that. And I agree with it. The results don't matter. However, the fans are watching the game. Two straight 4-1 losses, one to the New York Rangers, one to the New Jersey Devils. They're currently playing right now, actually. Hey, Mikey, got an update for us on the uh, on the game tonight against Philadelphia? As of uh, oh, uh, the break at the <laughs> end of the second period, is 2-1 Islanders. Okay, there we two go. 2-1 Islanders. Goals by Kyle Palmieri and Scott Mayfield in the second period to make it 2-1 Islanders. Very okay. So they, they got a lead. They scored more than one goal. So that's that's a positive move for there there for the. I, I I laughed on right before we started the show because I saw a tweet from Kevin Kurz who mentioned how the Flyers lineup you know wasn't a good one. The, one of the things about preseason, especially these first three or four games, is that the home team plays a better lineup when the when they go to play at the Garden when they go to play at Newark. Those their season ticket holders, the Rangers season ticket holders, the Devils season ticket holders, when they play the Flyers, their fans are there to see them. And they don't want to have the crap show like the Islanders had these first two games where it was boring and they were ineffective. So they put their they tend to put their best foot forward on their home games. The Islanders again <coughs> did tonight. The Flyers are dressing a B and, and for the Flyers B squad, that's bad, right? You know? Oh yeah. So but so the Islanders should win. If you're a betting person going into tonight and you're hoping that all the betting outlets don't really follow this stuff that closely, you're betting the home team a lot because they're there to put on the show for the fans who are following this more closely. Right. If, when they go to Philadelphia, I suspect the Flyers will, Tortorella is going to play the lineup that's about his best lineup going into the season. That's why I don't take the results seriously. Okay, no, that makes sense to me, and I think we're all just happy that Islander hockey is back. Yes, of course we yeah, are. Yeah, and, and, you know, we're getting there. The 13th will be here very, very soon. And there was just one other minor note from camp I wanted to touch on that we, we kind of missed last week, just because it's kind of it's an interesting note to me, is Bodie Wild did not get to did not make it to uh, prospect uh, sorry training camp this year and it obviously has a little something to do with what was going on with the covid protocols and his refusal to get vaccinated and it looks like nothing's changed there even though the rules have changed around the teams and you know uh, around the league and stuff like that so i mean just i guess from a, a pr man's perspe- perspective you look at something like that where you have a player who's kind of touted he's he was i believe a second round pick he's a guy who you know was kind of um, you know estimated to eventually become an NHL player, when you lose a guy like that, he's not coming to training camp. I mean, how, how does that make a franchise feel? I refuse to go into the rabbit hole of um, vaccines and all that stuff. Sure. It, 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 or if you got something to say about this, folks, tweet at 
Sean Cuthbert. Okay, give him your Twitter. Fine. Um, Fine. But but now let's just make this a black and white issue. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. We're um, gonna dive into that stuff. My no, my take on the wild, the Bodie Wild thing is Lou Amarello has a rule, and his rule in this case right. is you have to be vaccinated. Right. He's not vaccinated. Even if Lou, even if his opinion on vaccines and everything else has emerged, or listen, they had a fan facing event the other day and thousands of people were at the game unmasked and who know, and they weren't carded or anything like that. So, you know, we're not getting into that, right? Obviously there was no care about that and I'm cool with that. Right, right. I just think that that almost proves the point. We're not concerned about this anymore. I'm glad I'm going to a play a couple of nights from now. It won't be a mask. It won't be. I won't be carded when I right. go in. You know, this is great. We go to games. I think it was just as simple as Bodie. Are you vaccinated yet? No, I'm not. Okay, you're not coming. End there of story. it is. End of story. That's it. All right. Well, you you brought up the Islanders meet and greet. Yeah, that went on yesterday. I need to hear about this. When are we going to talk about it? We can talk about it now if you like. This, this is, is now a good time like, for you? You know when Francesca <laughs> used to do the thing, they'd be like, this hour is commercial free. It was like, oh, I like the other sh- hours that were 48 minutes of commercials. <laughs> so this is great. I'm sorry. I'm just not used to this. I'm, I'm a fan of the show. I watch it. I'm used to breaks happening. So what? So the Islanders, it was for full season ticket holders. Yeah. And it was it was sold as a meet and greet. Mm-hmm. You're a full season ticket holder. Correct. Or you used to have a piece of one or something like yes. that. Exactly. And so what happened? What were you promised? And uh, how, how was your night? How was my night? My night was fine because I wasn't there for autographs. Mm-hmm. I didn't get there in time for the scrimmage, so I missed that. I can't speak to what happened at the scrimmage. I'm sure it was fun. Nice to see the players there. Nice to be back in UBS Arena. That I can say enough for myself. It was nice to be back in the building. I'm, you know, I'm feeling the fact that it's fall, it's October, that the Islanders are coming back. It was nice to be back there. So that was all good. I got to you know hang out with some pals and see some people I haven't seen in a while, basically since last season. So all that for me was good on a personal level, but Anybody who was there looking for an autograph probably didn't have as, as good a night. And that's because there was a lot of long lines. There was a lot of wait times. If you, if you showed up expecting to get multiple autographs from multiple players, there's no way that was happening. So they afforded two hours from 6.30 to 8.30 for players to sign autographs. They paired them up at different stations throughout the arena, upstairs, downstairs, lobby, wherever, wherever it may be. And every line was long. And, you know, you had your longer ones where, you know, Matt Barzell was with Ryan Pollock, you had Anders Lee. Oh, Anders Lee was with Ryan Pollock, Barzell was, was, was with Ross Johnson, you had Sorokin and Varlamov. Those lines were probably the longest, and they stretched. And you had Islander staffers with these signs, which I, I guess was their best estimate of how long those waits were going to be, whether it was 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes. Most of them you saw a sign for 60, you saw something maybe 90 for Matt Barzell. And it was a two-hour session. Exactly. So the math, okay. So you really had to pick and choose who you were going to meet, who you were going get to get an autograph from. And, and I imagine, you know, with the way it was sold, where, hey, get, uh, you know, autographs from the New York Islanders. People were probably expecting to come home with, with, with a collection of autographs. And, and that just wasn't going to be the case because of how long these lines were. So I have to imagine, and, and I've seen it on Twitter a little bit too, is that there was a lot of disappointed fans with, with how things are run. Maybe they need to split it up or what have you, do it on separate days, separate hours. But... Um, there was some frustration. There was a, there was a lot of long lines and grumpy faces. As you can imagine, I actually probably have a lot to say about this subject. So run some spots if you think not. Um, <laughs> listen, I worked. I worked a lot of those. Yeah, I am very empathetic with the organization in this case. Uh, one fan in the replies to me, uh, Betsy, wrote, uh, "They they tried." 
mm-hmm. and that was probably that's probably the nicest summation. It sounds yeah. like of what they did. I don't know, and I know this is going to be unpopular with fans, but I don't know if it's worth it for teams to try to do this anymore. For starters, I wouldn't call it a meet and greet, and I, that's the term that fans keep on using. That that's what it was called. Meet and greet does make you want to think. That if I bring my kid or if I go with my friend, I'm going to get to meet and greet. Shake if, hands, if, 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 how you doing? Yeah. And right. if you think about it, if I'm going as one of the season ticket holders, do the math. They have 8,000, 10,000, 11,000. I'm going to get somewhere in that range of full season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. And even if not all of them show up, thousands of people are going. Two hours, the math isn't great. I, I helped run a bunch of these at the Coliseum when we had 5,000 season ticket holders and maybe 3,000, 4,000 people would show up. You're entitled to come to, depending on how many tickets you have in your account. You have two, you bring your son, for example, you bring your daughter. Um, fa- dads would come up to me, moms would come up to me. Hey, I would say, well, what do you want? You know, do you just want Ziggy Palfy? Like, is that your thing? Then get online. Or if you just want, six guys on your thing go see Brent Severin go see Sven Butenshan go see (laughs) I hate even dropping some of these names because yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. right but uh you know you would pick your spot back then I can't imagine what it's like doing it this beautiful UBS with this good team with guys like that people really want like Ilya like Matt um so the numbers don't add up so I, I I wonder if you're the Islanders and I wouldn't be surprised is that you know maybe this event next year is build differently. I think as a fan, or I guess my suggestion to them would be give the folks a really, really good scrimmage, maybe mic some guys, have the coach address the team, have the players, you know, maybe Andrews Lee, a few people. Like, don't think that they, because people, what happens is everybody just, most people go away disappointed. And the point of an event like that is to make people happy. <laughs> yeah, this is and, supposed to boost morale. Yeah, and, and the chances are is that probably thirty three percent of the people went home really happy because right. they got Barzal and they mm-hmm. got you know and they had that moment with their child or with their you know yeah uh, and thirty three percent probably like well that's okay and then thirty three percent probably went home saying you know that really stunk. A scrimmage mm-hmm. started early. They started at a weird time. Yeah, the autograph the autograph you know is a and and. So the Islanders did try, good on them for trying, but I have a feeling when they regroup on Monday, because they get the game tonight, they finish up, when they have those organizational meetings on Monday, they're probably thinking, do we do this again? As for solutions about multi-night events, things like that, I just don't think that's practical. Mm -hmm. So they tried, but I'll defend them on the fact that it it is really difficult to make everybody happy in this kind of a thing because all they want is the art and when all is said and done call them a meeting greet call whatever you want people just want a lot most of the people they just want the autographs mm. and their night and their enjoyment is going to be dependent on whether they got those autographs right and yeah i guess at the very least you gave it to them that they tried and i don't know if there's a perfect way to execute something like this but unfortunately like you said there's always going to be some portion of the fan base that's going to be left a little unhappy yeah last thing i'll leave you with is we did it we tried it once at eisenhower park Mm. uh the harry chapin lakeside theater was outside a little more spread out and you had this again you had the thing with the lines were so long rick dp the team came in a bus from the Coliseum, okay. came out through the back of the theater, did that kind of meet and greet where a lot of guys grabbed the microphones. Then they did the autographs. There was so much demand for Rick DiPietro that, bless his heart, he said, I'll stick around, and the bus left without him. 
And my neighbor, Joe Monaco, actually lives in Rockville Center. My neighbor wound up giving him a ride back to the Coliseum because, like, we hung around with my kids. So Rick did the right thing and, you know, probably signed for four hours or so. But understandably, Mm -hmm. right, they're getting ready for a season. Right. And the guys wanted to get back. It was time. They had done their two-hour allotment. Rick stayed until the, the last person's autograph was signed. Wow. Good on him. Really good, good on, on him. Barzell can't do that because they got to close UBS. Like even, right. that's, the, that's the other right. thing. Sorry. One more thing. Sure. It puts the players in a position where sometimes they might look like the bad guy because maybe Barzell would stay till midnight because I know he, I, we know sure. him to be a nice guy. And, sure. the, and, and, and maybe he would, but they can't because they got to close the arena. Yeah. And what happens is, you know, that person, that ticket sales person or that community relations person who's been assigned to chaperone him and walk him down the locker room, they're walking out and then the fans are like, they're, they're not mad. They're, at Joey and Jackie and, and Lisa in, in sales, they're thinking Matt Barzell isn't that good a guy. Yeah. So that that part kills me because we know that's not the case. Well, at least, look, there was a mandated time. It said, look, this is going to be over at 8.30. So at least it's not going to fall to the player that they refuse to sign anymore. It's like, this is, hey, this is the time we're closing you up shop. It. This is the time we're getting out of here. Let me rephrase it. It's just more like that disappointment thing, right? right. Where the kids right. is like, oh, we waited, yeah. you know, and we you don't want to see that. And there did come a point when they did start closing off the lines where they stopped accepting people on certain lines because they, they, they were gauging the time. They yeah. said, you know, we and can't, that, they have to can't do take that. anybody that else here. Yeah. So, yeah, mixed bag. Mixed bag, you know. Mm-hmm. The, hey, the concessions are open. I had some food. They had a, they had a 25% off discount, so that was nice, you I guess. You never miss that. Right, right. A little, little food, a little ice cream, a little burger. It was nice. It was nice. So, it's you know. not RJ's, but. <laughs> it certainly is not RJ's, that's for sure. Ain't blue line either. But, uh, Chris, there, I did want to bring this up. I know it was covered with Craig a little bit. I don't know if you wanted to touch on it anymore. Sure. But just the, the future of the Islanders general manager position. I don't know if you were satisfied with where you went with Craig or if there's anything else you wanted to touch well, on. Well, he, he was really great talking yeah. about Chris Lamorello. Mm-hmm. Um, those are similar things that I've heard as well. Listen, it, it, it would seem obvious that Chris is the heir apparent, whether that's a year from mm. now, whether that's two, three, four years from now. Okay. And if that's the case um, – I'm okay with it. You know, you, you always want to do a search, and you would hope that the owners would do a, a search too. But I would say it's worth giving Chris Lamorello a shot. I was ha- I did ask around uh, in the last few weeks or so about, like, would Chris be a, uh, a, 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 spinning, you know, a copy of his dad in terms right. of would he feel obligated to do exactly mm-hmm. what Lou did because this is a you know, unique uh, culture that really right. steals. and I was told emphatically, no. You know, of ah. course he'll bring some of those things, but he'll have, he'll have other ideas. So too. there might be hope for facial hair in the future. Yeah, or or <laughs> you know, a six-hour autograph signing session at the, at the season <laughs> right. ticket holders. Thing. Sure. Um, so there's that. I think Chris Lamorello right now. If you if you were to ask me, I would say he's going to be the next general manager wow. of the Islanders at some point. Uh, the other piece of this is though is I'm just not unlike. Almost everybody else I hear from on social media, I I, I think Lou Lamorello will still be the general manager a year from now. Okay. Um, if I'm putting money down, I'll just say A. Lamorello will be the general manager. <laughs> That's a pretty I put safe a lot thing. of money on that sure. A. Uh, a. Lamorello will be a general manager of the team a year from now. And, and if and when Lou does decide to step back from the general manager's role, do you think he still stays on in some sort of other capacity, whether it's president of hockey operations or something, or maybe, you know, given his age, maybe it's something, something where he finally kind of rides off for the sunset, you know? Because, so I, I can't get involved, and, and you're not asking me to, but, but my opinion of this as a father 
Mm. I think I could speak to that. I have three adult children. Mm-hmm. Is that I wouldn't want to do that. Right, mm-hmm. Lou has his own thoughts on these things, but sure. if, if Chris Lamorello is finally, who's not a kid, by the way, right? Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, for a while, yeah. Um, if he's going to get his general manager shot, I, I get it. I know Scott Bowman at times was uh, up until actually fairly recently was an advisor to the Blackhawks. You know, call, keep, call him an advisor or something like that if Lou wants to stay in it and the team wants him. But to have his dad as president of hockey operations or president or something like that while Chris is there would be undermining mm-hmm. them because everybody mm-hmm. will be thinking he's doing what right. Lou wants, who happens to be his that's father. So yep. that's awkward. So I would not do that. Okay, fair enough. Well, what do you say we do take one of those breaks? Okay. And then uh, we'll come back. So, folks... I want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night ny and of course your favorite p- podcast providers thanks for for dealing with the technical stuff in the beginning getting back here in the in the uh, hockey night in new york studio we'll be back at florida media next week but uh thanks so much for tuning in live we're going to take a quick break when we come back the train rolls on miss the days of mixtapes and arcades love the taste of a bold ipa or maybe an ice cold lager there's a place where all of those magical things come together lost farmer brewing company at 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or a sip of Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for Islander fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the Isle's new home of Belmont where it's poured from taps throughout the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewing Company, the future of Long Island craft beer. there welcome back we missed you too now kick up your feet and settle back in to hockey night in new york welcome back to the program ladies and gentlemen you're watching hockey night in new york at twitch.tv slash hockey night ny and listening on your favorite podcast providers a little break there the train rolls on we're gonna get to our segments here a little what's on tap and then we'll roll out to Questions brewing, uh, the hero of the pick, week. Pick up the energy a little bit. You're feeling a little... Am I letting you down, Chris? For, for you, yeah. You're usually, you know, let's go, let's go. You know, it's a, it's a sleepy Sunday. we got to finish strong, <laughs> man. You're absolutely... All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Shake it off. All right, folks, we're going to get into what's on tap right now. So let's do that right now. And now, it's time for what's on tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. It's time for What's on Tap. And there's more hockey games to be played, more preseason games to be played by the New York Islanders. Obviously playing the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. Last we heard, they were up 2-1. I'll get an update from Mikey in a little bit to see where we're at with that. But they're going back to play Philadelphia on Tuesday. They will be playing the Flyers in Philly, 7 p.m. start. 
Then after that, some more familiar rivals. Thursday, they will play New Jersey at home at UBS Arena. And then on Saturday, the New York Rangers come to town. 7 p.m. start there as well. Maybe the Islanders can get a little revenge on both of those teams since they got shellacked in their first meeting in the preseason. So, Chris. It's still 2-1, 14 minutes left. You're listening to this later on in the week. Just ignore this part of the, the <laughs> it conversation. Nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It seems like a fairly <laughs> ho-hum affair. Uh, although fans could please let us know in the chat or however uh, they want to let us know. Or, you know, Flyers are out shooting the Islanders 20 to 14. You know, it's not like the Islanders. Par for the course. I say it's not like the Islanders are running it up or, right. uh, the fly, you know. But, you know, we should keep an eye out for it. Yeah, well, that's what's on tap. Look, more hockey games to come here. That'll be that'll round out the the preseason, if I remember correctly. That'll be all six games. So after that, we'll be getting ready for the regular season, October thirteenth. Not that far away when the Florida Panthers come to town to play your New York Islanders. You and Christian will have like the real preview show, the show right before the thing. That's what we're looking at next week. Preview the regular season back at Florida Media. So looking forward to that. And yeah, the fun, the fun rolls on here. We're we're here every week now, every week. Hockey night, in New York, until April, hopefully May, perhaps June. We'll I was see. I was like that when I did my podcast last year. I was like the I I kept it going, but he's you know booking guests things like that. And then I was like, you know what? They're not making the playoffs. So after the trade deadline, I I had a little bit of a ease off until early April. And I'm I'm not a I'm not a guy who's going to be doing a draft preview show, for example. So I was able to. You know, cut it off. But it's really great to be here. It's nice to be here in town. Fans have two been weeks our, in a row, Chris. Yeah, yeah, no, you've been great. Crew's <laughs> been great. Fans have been awesome. Uh, really, really enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. You're having a lot of fun, and uh, now it's time to talk about some heroes. So we're going to go into that right now. That's right, folks. When you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the B Comp Q in celebration of Mr. Compton being a guest on the show last week. That features boneless ribs, barbecue sauce, pickles, onions, all on a hero. So, folks, with that out of the way, we have a, a special Hero of the Week. Uh, coming at you here. Obviously, again, we're just getting started with the games here, so we decided to go a different route. And the hero of the week is none other than New York Metro Blind Hockey. Now, they reached out to us on on Instagram, on social, and uh, was telling us about the program and a great thing going on over there. So basically, it's it's a New York blind hockey program where they're trying to raise awareness. Not too many people know about it, but um, they're actually getting set up at UBS Arena on the 13th for the opening game against the Florida Panthers. They're going to have an information table there. They'd love for people to come by and say hello if you're going to be at the game. Learn about blind hockey. You get to meet a Team USA player and uh, you know really get to know more about everything that's going on with blind hockey because I, I mean I'll be honest with you Chris I didn't know that there was a, there was a team I didn't know there was a there was a squad or anything it's a, it's an amazing thing I don't you know know if every team or club or league does the same thing but I have seen it played and basically the puck or the, the, the ball it, it beeps and it just it's uh, it's an incredible thing to see it's really and just the fact that everybody's out there and loving the game is, is awesome. yes yeah i was reading a little about it the the puck is larger and apparently they have metal balls inside of the puck 
That's the so nice they clang thing. around okay. in there so they can I've hear the I've seen it part, with like a is, beep instead of the clang, right. but that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So not only are they going to be there uh, with an information table, but they're actually also going to be the charity of the game. So you can, you'll see them going around the arena. The, the 50-50 is going to go towards their program. So it's going to help the New York Blind Metro Hockey hockey program. So definitely definitely get involved in that. It's a great, great cause. And also, if, you, if you, you're even more interested, you can check out at the Dented Puck. On Instagram, it's a podcast. They also kind of champion the program as well. So definitely uh, get involved in that if you're interested. But there you have it, folks. Your hero of the week, New York Metro Blind Hockey. One of the uh, most memorable things I was involved with when I was with the team was Miriam from Forest Hills. It was a, a lady, a blind lady in Forest Hills who called Joe Beningo's show on WFAN okay. overnight. He was a huge Islander fan and listened to every broadcast of Chris King and Cerny and Barry Landers and everybody else. And uh, we brought her to her first game and Kate brought her down to the ice, brought her to the press box, you know, the sounds of the game, everything. Rick Riley of Sports Illustrated wrote a column about it uh, for the magazine. And uh, like, what what can you say, right? It just, uh, it just, it, the game can be for everyone, and, and these yes. these great folks, uh, you know, prove it as well. No, it's it's fantastic, and it's just great to see the game growing in so many different ways, and people getting involved, and, and just falling in love with it, like like we all do here. It's uh, it's the best game on the planet, and it's uh, it's and it's very inspiring to see people in that position, you know, go go that extra mile to have, you know, get involved, have a program here, and it's just uh, it's just awesome stuff. And great on the Islanders. You're saying they're having them at the tables. and, and they're Yes. Having, okay, that, that's great. Great, yeah. great job by the team. Yeah, no question about it. So, folks, that is your Hero of the Week brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the BComQ, named after none other than Mr. Brian Compton of NHL.com. Do they do prosciutto over there at uh Donnie's place? I'm pretty sure they do. And if I had a sandwich, it would have prosciutto on it. Oh, so you're pitching right now. I'm just saying. You're making like a little pitch here. Yeah, a little mozzarella. The Chris <laughs> I mean, it would be things I want, of course. They'd, they'd, put, they'd, put, they'd put tongue on it, or they'd do some white-ass thing, probably. <laughs> but... Uh, but my, my thing would have yeah. tongue and sheep's head. Yes, exactly. <laughs> be some well, you know, we, we got an in with Donnie Bagel, so we'll see what we can do right. here. I mean, you get more involved with the show, so we'll, we'll see. You know, that's two shows in a row. Maybe, maybe you got a chance. That's I true. don't know. That's true. I mean, he made Christian and I eat two sandwiches each, I think it was. We basically had a, a sandwich eating contest to, to earn the right to have a sandwich. Okay. So regardless he might of, be nicer to you. Regardless of any like Islander connection I have, me and my friends in Hicksville growing up, like we spent so much time at Bagel Boss and, and the family place. Like we probably paid for some of Don's upbringing. <laughs> and it's, and it's <laughs> wow, so, you're laying so, on so, thick. Yeah, I mean, we, we, spent, <laughs> we spent a lot of money there at 2 a.m. On, on Saturday nights, year after year after year. Wow. All right, Donnie, the pressure's on, man. Bottom wants a sandwich. Don't let him say any different. All right, so let's keep it going here. Let's get to questions, Bruin. Let's take some questions from the audience. So we're going to play the little music here, and uh, we'll, we'll get going. And now it's... That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wrong it's button, Sean. It's time questions, Bruin. <laughs> brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. <laughs> That's right, Not folks. to be confused with the Lost Host. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying my best here, right? I'm under a lot of pressure tonight. Lost producer, lost engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little lost bit. Lost farmer. Lost location, <laughs> but we're here. We made it. So, Mikey, Mikey on questions. We're on the couch. You can't see him because uh, we, we don't have the, the capabilities to show him tonight. But Mikey on the couch is here. He's got the microphone. So, buddy, fired up. What kind of questions you got for us tonight? 
First of all, it's probably better they can't see me. I agree. Um, always. <laughs> always. You said it. Said it. <laughs> Before we get into questions, Bruin, I do want to say oh, that uh, based on the feed I'm watching here on uh, for the Islander game, it is uh, just under 11 minutes. The Islanders are still up 2-1. to one. Okay. Um, Let me also just say it's an absolute joke that the game is not broadcast in a, in a real way. Streams, I'm sure the production's good, and we're moving into this world of streaming, a, a league right. that I work for. I know for Chris King's calling it. Apple and all that. But there's MSG, who I'll often defend uh, their practices uh, because I, they do a lot of good things to MSG Network. There's just no reason to not throw some of these other games on. Um, so, I mean, this is bullshit that, that this game's not on right now. On TV, not that we'd be watching it because we're doing the show. But it's, <laughs> well, that's it's, why it's, we're doing. We're like, oh, it's yeah. not being telecast, it's so sweet. we might as well just it's do sweet. the show. It, it, you're paying the team millions. You spend millions to show 82 regular season. Can you just show all six? You know, uh, and, and do it in a right way on the network. Um, you know, they're they're playing in it. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'll leave it at that. No, not only Some that. of my best friends work there, so I want to. Ah, well, then I'll take over and say yeah. not only that, but the games that they have broadcast are only against the Rangers and Devils, and they're using the Rangers and Devils telecast. Well, they did at home. Now, I think when they play those teams, they're going at, at ah, UBS. Okay. They're going, and, okay. and, and, and again, I could live with it. I, I'm not into wasting money, so I know some fans have said, like, well, they should have both broadcasts on, one on you know, MSG. One. No, no, that's okay. We, we don't need to throw money into the ocean. We could just have have one brother, <laughs> right. but have Brent, have Brendan if he's around, right. and have Butchie, <laughs> and he's getting so many right. gigs now. Right. Um, let, let, let have them do the games, and because they need the practice too. So I have a feeling they're going to be working those, if not all outright doing it part of the broadcast. That would be my guess. All right, Mikey, you're up, pal. What do you got? Sorry, Mikey, yeah, you were trying to get on. No, that's all right. That's Chris Potter. It's all right. I, I, I laid that up for you guys to, to okay. go on a little tangent there, so it's all good. Um, so our first question is from Tebow13, questions brewing. It is uh, it's very to the point. When is Lou getting fired? <laughs> very to the point. Well, I, do, I mean, also, I'll, I'll pick you, but do you think there's a possibility he could? He's not going to get fired this year. He's not going to get fired, you know, before the draft. He's not. None, none of that. Nothing's happening soon. He's likely going to be the general manager when the next NHL draft happens in 2023. What has changed, and he's a realist, is when you fire the coach, the, then they look at you. Right, I remember talking to Milbury about this. Others, right? We've seen this with in football when they when you fire the coach, you now are like, okay, well, we can't blame the next coach because you're the guy who put gave him. I got to stop hitting that. You're the guy who who gave him the players. Um, so the eyes are on him right now. But there's nothing at all I mean, whatsoever. I, I think he's going to be the general manager for at least one more year and possibly two or three. I, ag- I agree. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think he's got a little more fire under his seat be- because of what Chris said and also just because of the year that they had last year. You know, the, the, this is a team that has to pick it up. So, I'm, But I'm with Chris. I don't think he's going anywhere within the next year or two. One more thing to look at for. Mm. Who is going to be available a year from now? He's actually available now. Who's going to be available now? Oh. Who, who's one of the best? Pe- who's one of the best people in hockey? 
respected, successful. You talking about a guy who might be willing to move on to another position? Yeah. So, so Barry, think, try, Barry yeah. like it, it would be a really, really interesting thing. I think Barry tries. I want him to be the coach of my team. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I think I talked about this before. Peter Laviolette told me for years, he said, the place to be is, is in the office because you don't get fired. I get that. I hope <laughs> right. it's okay that I said that Peter told me that. Um, <laughs> and he's, you know, 20 years later, he's still coaching and hasn't came close to getting a GM job. So I get why Barry wants to shop for the groceries is a mm-hmm. term that uh, Bill Parcells used a long time ago. But it, let's say the Islanders do uh, – Pratt fall this year, they don't make, which I'll describe as not making the playoffs. Now it's like, okay, well, where do we go from here? Well, Ledecky and Malkin, there's this guy who they love. He liked being here. He did not want to get fired despite all this ridiculous uh, theories that are out there. And, you know, it's possible that he could come back as a coach, as something else. Maybe they give him the opportunity to be coach with some, say, with even Chris Lowell as general manager. I just, I don't think you could rule out, until Barry Trotz gets a job with somebody else, and he will next summer, I don't think you could rule out Barry Trotz coming back to work for the others. Is it wow. a bit? Of, is it a bit of a long shot and something fanciful to think about? Yes, okay. but you absolutely cannot rule it out. We know he loves it here. We know his family's comfortable here. Uh, he bought a place in Nashville. He's, he's not moving back to Winnipeg. That people thought he his, his <laughs> home is in Nashville. So he's uh, it's a possibility. I wouldn't rule it out. I think it's worth watching. Very interesting thought, Mike. Uh, make make a note of the time timestamp on that for for a clip for during the week. But yeah, uh, you got it. Man. Definitely a different, an interesting nugget I wasn't expecting tonight. But I see there's a follow up question, so why don't you read that off? For yeah, us, I'm, I'm about to. Um, <laughs> so Trottier nineteen follows up on that question, Bruin, and says, <laughs> if the Islanders are out of the playoff race by Christmas. Why wouldn't Lou get fired? Don't the ownership group want accountability? Yeah, yeah, that's just that's something we all say as passionate fans, but it doesn't happen. GMs are, you know, yes, GMs sometimes will be fired in March or before the trade deadline. Like that, that isn't GMs aren't on the clock like coaches are when the team's coming short, coming up short. So it wouldn't happen. What did you say? Did you say like around Christmas? Mm-hmm. It said if they're out of the playoff race by around Christmas. Okay, but starters, they're not going to be. So that's like, it's. A, well, let's put it this way. It's a hypothetical. Um, you would have to really, they'd have to really crap their pants to be, to not have a chance at a wild card spot, you know, in December, two months into the season, um, or Christmas, two months into the season, two and a half months. So that's not going to happen. The only scenario would possibly be, okay, it doesn't work out. Let's throw out Lou with any GM, with any team. We're going to fire this guy. You know what? Let's fire him before the trade deadline because this isn't the person we want making those moves to sell assets or to, you know, maybe he does something out of desperation. You know, that sometimes happens. December is not your time frame. All that said, I think this is a team that's going to hang around enough that none of those things they'll be bandied about on social media. And we get that. We're fans. We love it. We enjoy it. We're passionate. I'm mad at the Yankees right now. I think I don't like Brian Cashman. Okay. Like, I don't think he should be jamming the Yankees. Right. So, and he's won World Series. So, um, you know, these are things that are not going to happen this year because the team's going to, is good enough. Those goalies, gosh. So they are going to say, if Luke cared about having his job saved, and he's way past giving any fucks about any of that at this point <laughs> of his age's career. If he did, he, he can sit there and go, man, I got two goalies who stopped 90 
X percent of, we'll see how high that number is. So, and some pretty good D2. That's going to be enough to keep them around. The, the, the conference isn't that good. Who's running away with the, with the wild cards? You believe in Ottawa? Not yet. No. Okay. Not yet. Who do, we, who do we believe in? Who's, 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 making the, who's making the leap? Detroit? Because they signed four average guys on the first No, I think you're right. I, I think, I think it's, it's going to have to be a real failure of a season for the Islanders not to, not to remain ahead of teams like Detroit, Ottawa, Jersey, Columbus. They've all, there's some of those guys have made improvements. Obviously, Goudreau and Columbus, but there's still some question marks with those guys. But, I mean, is it going to be enough to supplant what we think is going to be the Islanders this year? I don't think so, and which is why I pegged them for a wild card for the last couple of weeks. They will hang around the playoff race longer than it I'll still have not figured out that this show is on camera, and I keep on doing stupid things with my hands in front of my face. and, and Very intelligent else. things, Chris. Yeah, I'll be doing this for like a freaking... I'll be doing this for year and the others will still no man they went three in a row here they're they're in the rate you know they're in the head you know that's that's my take on that okay all right fair enough and coach and coach Lanebird wants wants just just because of what you brought up with uh, with barry trotz please tell me that we can rule out milbury coming back yes okay all right <laughs> moving on <laughs> let's go mikey what do you got my i mean mike turned 70 and nobody <laughs> older than 70 runs oh wait that's right luda um no <laughs> my, mike is uh no i joke about the because lou is the youngest however old he is person you'll ever want to meet uh mike is uh retired and, and enjoying life there you go all right by so, the way, that opening thing where you, where you say if you're a Milbury survivor or something like ah, that. Ah, yes, the old That's, intro. Yes, uh, if, if you happen to be a Milbury survivor, yeah. It's just funny to hear that <laughs> when like, I literally like, worked at his side for however many years. It just, it's funny to hear that, but I get it. I, I totally get it. <laughs> All right. Uh Coach Lambert said, "Thank God," and I'd like to beat him with my shoe. That's not nice. That's, That's not. not it's nice. not. It's not very. I mean, nice. I get the joke. I do, I do too. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I suffered a little bit through the process as well. I mean, the funny thing about that is that if Coach, and again, this doesn't change anything with the but if Coach Lambert wound up at your joint having a beer with Milbury, he'd have the greatest fucking night of his life. <laughs> Like I, like he, he would, he would not want to leave. He'd laugh his ass off. He'd have Mike would tell him stories. They didn't, he didn't know. So um, I, I totally get the hatred for it. But he can still be a uh, cool guy, even if he yeah, wasn't the best yeah, GM. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. one, one doesn't mean the other. No, and we, what we needed was from the be a, It's, it's kind of like, it's yeah. kind of like <laughs> right. Sean. Like he's, oh, here we go. He's not that great, but he's cool to have a beer with. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I'll take that. I'd rather, I'd, rather be, I'd rather be better to have a beer with than, than a host of this show. No, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm doing my best here. Coach Lambert had the next questions brewing. It is, uh, can we expect FSG to not cover any Isles games that interfere with Hockey Night New York shows? We actually have a deal in place with MSG. Uh, they, they are forbidden from airing any shows while we do our show. So they, they very graciously stepped aside we got in touch with them we said listen we're doing an eight o'clock show and they said oh well, can we at least do the first period we said absolutely not and uh they obviously stepped aside <laughs> and there's your answer they're not going to broadcast any games when we do a show here if only that were the case great question great question that would have been great for us um <laughs> the next question comes from mike four six five two co uh, although we haven't spoken as much about him, sure looks like I'm going to probably butcher this name and I'm apologizing. Oh, I saw this one. I was dreading e this one. Uh, E2A2 Lucas oh. has shown some promise. What are your observations? Who? I'm sorry, Mike. I hate to, I hate to break this to you, 
but I don't have any because I haven't been paying attention to them. And uh, maybe that's bad on me, but this is a... This Who is are a, we talking about? A gentleman in the Islanders prospect pool, oh, okay. I believe, okay. that's been getting into training camp. And I have not been focused enough to, to give you a good answer to that question. I don't know if I speak for Chris as well. But uh, we will be having the likes of Andrew Gross, Stefan Rosner coming up soon on the show, so they'll be able to give you a much better answer. It would be a good question for Craig Button. I always just like I don't, mm. the reason why I don't like to do draft shows is you know, right. I just be have, you have people on who know the stuff, but uh, that would so be don't a, call a, you a, in jail. Well, I'm, I'm, and we're not at camp. Nobody, by the way, hardly anybody's at camp. Everything's closed, other than the thing that you were invited to that you didn't go to. That, that, that's correct. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. All right. All right. But who's the player? How are we spelling his name? Yeah, Is Mike, why don't you give us that one one more time? He's he's a, he, he, I, he, I, I'm, I'm going to just spell it. I'm going to spell it because I'm afraid. I don't it's know take exactly. It's a half hour to spell it. I don't know the phonetics exactly. It oh, is. I got you. E2 Leucus. Oh, okay. I, I, okay. Didn't get, I thought he was talking about uh, R2. R2. No, no, no. He's not that drunk. He's not that drunk. Whoa. Whoa. I'm not drunk at all. It threw me off. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a question for others. Yeah. Sorry. That's a question for some guy, not Kevin at the athletic, to get really wrong about how good he's going to be or not or not <laughs> yes. yes indeed all those uh, uh, Dom yeah. yeah all right our next question Bruin comes from coach Lambert again it is sure. put your coaching hat on where do you put Bailey in this lineup he has played everywhere throughout his career but what is the best fit for him now again that's that's all you I'm gonna I'm gonna say third line next to JG Pajot put him on his wing there you know um I don't know if last season is indicative of of the trajectory that Josh Bailey's career is taking at this point at his age and whatnot. I don't know if last year was was just kind of a fluke, if he's going to get back to, you know, his, his 40, 50-point production. We'll see. I mean, I think he had 40 last year, but, you know, you're, you're looking for him to get 50, 55, I suppose. But, look, in, in a perfect world, Oliver Wallstrom's lighting it up. Palmieri's back, you know, to form. Right, and then you have Anders Lee. Anthony Beauvillier, he's doing his job too, right? So you more or less filled up your top six wingers if all those guys do what you hope that they do. And then maybe a guy like Josh Bailey slots in on the third line. So that's where I'd have him. But I guess if you want to look at it in another way, they have a lot of guys who they can run up and down the lineup where if you're not getting a good look from one guy, you can put Bailey in the second line. You can put him next to Barzell and see how it works out. But to start, third line for me. So, and who's playing with Barzal? Well, if uh, if the way things go the way it seems to be going, you're looking right now like Zach Parisi and Kyle Palmieri might be lining up with, with Matt Barzal to start. Is that going to get anybody excited? Not sure. but Honestly, though, but I'm okay with like running with Palmieri. Uh, I'm okay with that. He was supposed to replace Everly. Yeah, and that's why. I, like, yeah. like That's what he is there for. So right. I'd rather it be a veteran, you know, Barzal, give him credit. Like he, you know, every all signs point to him re-signing and perhaps yeah. very long term of the team. And we are still in this thing where he hasn't been fitted with wings, and we might be talking about this for another year or so. But he's committed to keep on coming back. So bless him for that. The conversation hasn't ended since Alexi Yashin. Yeah. Yashin didn't have wingers. Tavares didn't have wingers, and now Matt Barzell doesn't have wingers. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty much how the first line has gone. But give me the veteran who years. at least has done it before, even though he, Palmieri, was part of the reason for the bad first half. Parise, is that, is that, so you, we're all saying it, you would think, right, 20 years into the league, and his father played, right? So, <laughs> But how does Brendan say it? I think he says Parise. And, and so this is where I, I brought it up, so I don't want to go down there. Okay. 
It just... Um, I'm not sure. I feel like I, I get why we love him. I know I've been like by myself, uh, for the most part, giving him some criticism. But let's not forget what Zach's first 30 games looked like last year. And the fact that he came close and the fact that he tried... And the fact that he, you know, like I, you know, he's still, I believe it's somewhat epic in terms of futile production in those first 30 or so games. And that's when the season ended. So I forgive me if I'm not over the moon about this idea of him being on the, on the first. That's line. entirely fair. The one thing I will give Parisi is that even though the goals weren't coming in the, in the first half of the season, he, that's right. <laughs> So that's that. That's what you need them to do. You don't get points for for not not doing it. Like, no, no, I get that. Oh, we, we, I understand sorry. that. I cut you off. I'm sorry. But but he, he probably was the guy who busted his ass the most in the team, yes, and then he, he finally was rewarded for it in the second half. Are you all right? Yeah, he, he busted his ass. <laughs> he did. He did. He tried real hard. He tried real hard. All and right, that, and that's not like we, we shouldn't have. He was a he was a guy who. Came to camp, you know, on a one year. Now he's come back and signed for the same thing. Yeah. By the way, he's going to bust his ass again. Yeah. So that that is not again. The, he's the best. Like I, there's, we sh- we absolutely love him for a reason. I don't know. I'm just sounds like you're being a little negative. The, the, I'm talking. <laughs> it, it's a it's a it's a failing of management that it isn't a better situation than that. I think that's fair. Okay. I agree, Michael. I just want to say you left out Michael Pekka not having uh, wingers as well. Hey, and he had Mark Parrish and Sean Bates. He was a second-line center. All right. Yeah. Oh. Just, just stick to the question. Mike, I said to this to you last time. <laughs> just stick to the questions. You're, you're outing yourself here, man. I am. It's all right. Uh, okay. The next question is, because that's like clearly all I do. Uh, <laughs> and all I should do. And all I should do, apparently. Um, is from... Mike four six five two co again. It's sure. I remember when Dal Cole was drafted. He was highly touted and went in the predicted area draft wise, like you guys mentioned earlier. We now know things didn't work out as planned. What do you think went wrong? Wow, what do I think went wrong? Well, look, not all prospects pan out. Not all top five picks pan out. And and the Islanders and see, it does make you wonder though, right? Because. You have guys like him, and then just to think of names off the top of my head, Griffin Reinhardt, right? I think they picked him fourth overall. He panned out to nothing, but obviously ended up in one of the best trades for the New York Islanders in in recent history, where he kind of ended up being part of Mike Barzell coming over, right? But... But, yeah, there, there does seem to be a history here. And you even look at Nino Niederreiter. Now, that was a total disaster. The guy never should have even played that first year when he was on the fourth line. What, Jay Pentalfo and Brian Ralston? And he didn't score any goal. I mean, that, that was, was a, that was a that was, thing. That was management's fault. Yeah, no, that was that was reaching the cap floor. So that wasn't Nino Niederreiter's fault. He ends up going to Minnesota and then Carolina. He becomes a 20-25 goal yeah. scorer. Yeah, so. But, if, but you look at these guys like Dal Cole and even Ryan Strom. Good rookie year and then... Kind of just fell off, right? He, he only got his career back together when he ends up on a line with, with Panarin, right? So there does seem to be a history here with the New York Islanders and, and top five, top ten picks where they're, they're really not panning out the way they should. And, and, and whether, whether it's because they're listed number five in the, in the THN or TSN rankings, whatever the case may be, but I don't know, and, and, it, and it makes you wonder, is this, is this a product of the Islanders' development system? Is this, you know, who they have in charge? Now, I know that there's Islander fans that, that give out about Brent Thompson and not properly developing players at Bridgeport. And so it does beg the question, is, is this something operationally with the Islanders, or is it more just picking the wrong guys that, 
you know, they think is going to pan out to be a good player who ends up not putting it together either because they can't skate, they don't have the hustle, they don't have the determination, whatever the case. But, yeah, I mean, it does make you wonder what, what happens with those sorts of players when they're so highly regarded. Yeah, every case is different. In the case of Del Call, it, sometimes it's as simple as you don't get to see, you could project, but you don't get to see them play with the men of the NHL. It's, it was all based on his time in the OHL. Right. And sometimes that just does not convert over. You know, he could still go on to play in the NHL, but not, not at that point. So every case is a little bit different. Uh, the Islanders have their system of drafting that I'm aware of some of the inner workings of that. The Rangers do too. The Rangers recently, uh, only in a couple of years ago, changed their scouting director. The Rangers have had some big, you know, for, for oh, yeah. they've had some big misses. Oh, yeah. and, and even, you know, it's funny, they have a really good team. And in some parts, they are led by young players. But even that said... Uh, those picks would not have been their picks if they could do it all over again. So the draft, so corny to call it a crapshoot, but it really is wild. I mean, nobody has the book. There, there. We used to say this about Lamorello's guy twenty years ago. Um, you know, nobody has so mastered this that teams are constantly offering. You would offer a guy or, or a woman five million a year. If they had emerged as this person who constantly got the draft right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 100%. and nobody gets those kind of deals. Right. It's great that Chris McFarlane you know, got promoted because Joe Sackick didn't want to lose him. That doesn't mean, yeah, and they won a Stanley Cup. It doesn't mean McFarlane's got all the answers. Right. It doesn't mean he doesn't have you know, his mistakes. You're relying on your staff. But it is amazing that all these years we've been around the game, I can't think of one person that you <laughs> said you would say is absolute gold in terms of their batting average when it comes to the draft there are some better than others there are some who've been consistently wrong disastrous i get that but there aren't any stars of the scouting business there still aren't fair enough michael you got anything else for us are you still here i am still here I would think uh, Coach Lambert has like seven more. <laughs> it's, it's Coach Lambert. He no, has, no, 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 no. He has one more. He has one more. All right. Fire away. It was, uh, it, it, he wants to know if he's the only one looking forward to the Flyers being not good this year and watching Tortorello's press conferences. Hey, John's always interesting. Um, Entertaining. It, yeah, they'll be, you know. I still don't get that fit. They I were, don't. I don't know why he's coaching there. The fit was he. They they needed somebody to kind of play to the crowd there. Mm. Flyers, fly Philly, we're done. And he was a guy okay. doing TV who wanted to get back into it. They would not have been his first choice. I'm sure they might not have even been in the top twenty. Both sides had a need. He did a year away. He's refreshed. Uh, good for him. Happens to be, uh, you know, like, kind of like I mentioned, Wilbur happens to be a guy with a really, really good heart who plays a part on TV. Uh, mm. But there is this other side to him too that I also experience as a as a writer, a, a kind side. Um, listen, he's got some screws that sometimes aren't always you know tightened in, um, but he's a he's a good guy. He's a good hockey coach. Um, yeah, you know, I think he's. I think he's a temporary good fit for the Flyers, and that he'll make them interesting for a year or two. Doesn't solve their problems. So, I think interesting is is the right word to use there, Michael. Is there anything else on the board for us? 
That is all, my friends. Those are all the questions brewing. Well, that was a great extended version of questions brewing. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Even you, Coach Lambert. We, we appreciate the help. So don't don't worry. Don't be shy about asking multiple questions. That's no well, problem. Even don't, the, don't let Chris bully you. All even, right? He just showed the, up. Even the questions that weren't good, they led to some, you know. Yeah, some, some good discussion. Kind of scenario. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think with that, we can wrap it up here. I think we covered all bases. We obviously... Went a little longer than expected. We started a little later. And once again, thanks so much to you guys for hanging with us tonight live. We really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's a podcast. People could just stop it, right? If they don't want to hear the last 12 minutes or if they lose, right? We can, we can just That's keep true. on. That's true. I mean, they can literally hit the mute button whenever you speak. For example, yes. And, exactly. and only listen to myself. Yeah, it's great. Everybody has that option. Uh-oh. That's what most people do when I speak, I imagine. I actually almost just hit the mute button for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> once again, speaking out of turn, I don't know who the hell you think you are, Mike. Mike, on the couch. <laughs> yes, you are, Mike. I'm not even on the couch today. On the couch. It's, you're close, though. <laughs> you're close to the couch. We had, we, we had our moments, but on a serious note, and not to take anything away from us, because I think we had some good chatter, but I, I, I would say to the fans, who, if they listen to the 20 minutes of Button, Who's a who has an? He was in, outstanding. He has an independent ed, and very highly educated opinion of important issues around the Islanders, including their two top prospects, what to do with them, the future of the jam chair. You know, we left them with that. It, they 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 could judge the rest of it if they want. No but. question about it. And with that, we're going to cue the music and get on out of here. So, folks, once again, want to thank you for tuning in to Hockey Night New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast wise. Huge thanks to Chris Botto over here for filling in once again for Christian What's-His-Shits. Couldn't make it tonight. Once again, (laughs) covering some other New York teams. But... Mr. Christian should be back next week to jump back in. We're going to have some great guests, hopefully, for you. We'll let you guys know. we find it back up Sunday night, hopefully, at 8 o'clock. Either way, check the socials. We'll let you know. Huge thanks to Craig Button of TSN for joining us. Great, great stuff from him. And, of course, a huge thanks to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, official partner of the New York Islanders and the best deli around. Maybe Chris Bott will get a sandwich one day. Also, huge thanks to RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to watch the game when you can't be at the game. And a huge thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mini-Ola. Fantastic stuff going on there. Check out the merch. Great hat here on my noggin. So, folks, thanks once again. Chris, where can we follow you on Twitter? At Chris Bada NHL. At Chris Bada NHL. You can follow myself at Shoney Hockey. You can follow Christian Arnold at C underscore Arnold 01. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hockey Night NY. Huge thanks to you guys. Real appreciate you hanging out with us. Big thanks to Mikey on the couch somewhat. And, hey, Ed hung out too. Ed hung out. He was here. Did a great job sitting down, man. <laughs> You're awesome. So for Chris Botta, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. Have a great rest of your night. Two, one, three, one, two, one.